Hello and welcome to another episode of Cosmic Echo, a tailored podcast. This podcast explores a strange and bizarre phenomenon that happens in our lives when we sleep in altered states. In this episode, I speak with Jörg Stockmut, who is the author of The Making of Reality, How Consciousness Creates the World. Jörg discusses his views on consciousness and how consciousness creates what we perceive as reality, as well as how this affects our daily lives and our so-called fate. Well, without further ado, let's get to the interview. York, it's very nice to have you with me today. And um, uh, it's been a while since uh, we've started talking about consciousness and reality and stuff like that um, through the Tail Leaders group. And um, really just want to get into your book here and learn more about um, your your views on reality and consciousness and um, and explore this book together as we go through Um and can you can you give us a little bit of a background of who you are and how you got interested in um, learning about consciousness and reality and, and what that means to you? Okay. Well, first of all, hi everybody, and um, and forgive my English. It's uh, I'm, I'm a lot better in in written English than in spoken English. I think I'm I'm not just so. Um, I, I don't get much practice in that. <laughs> I, I love writing. I'm a writer by birth, I think. <laughs> so I always loved writing. As a child already, uh, I started writing at the age of five. <laughs> oh, wow. And that's one thing. Uh, the other thing that, that is a background of my book is, is my, well, let me tell you, I'm an engineer. I, I actually studied electrical engineering, and I, I, I never practiced that job, but uh in my mind, I'm an engineer, I would say. I, I want to see, I, I want to learn how things work. Hmm. I, I want to understand how, how they work. And I want to develop things further. And I want to make things perfect. And um, that contributed to the books. And um, as a teenager, I started to get fascinated by phenomena like out-of-body experiences and ghosts and UFOs. And you, you can imagine <laughs> everything uh, you can find in books, a lot of nonsense, of course. And, and I, it really surprised me how much there is uh, besides that what, what, what established science tells us. So um, I was really fascinated. But on the other hand, I was a very rational person, and I still am. And... Um, I was wondering how could I reconcile all these new things and phenomena with what uh, with what science tells us, and I, I don't want to believe in two different worldviews. I, I wanted to have one, hmm. so a consistent worldview. That was something I always was striving for, and so I started to read and read and think and think and. Uh, Actually, there was one fine day when I said, oh, now it's round uh, to, to a degree that I could present it to other people to, to, to give them a shortcut for the way that I went. Uh, I'll write the book that I would have needed 10 years earlier. <laughs> Interesting. So, and the other thing that, that uh, contributed to the book was my personal history of, of, uh, of suffering. <laughs> Everyone suffers to some degree in, on, on, on this level of reality, at least. Definitely. definitely um, yeah. uh, yes, I, I, I had a girlfriend who left me and it was a huge pain. And, and I started to, to get te- therapies and, and sorts of, and I, I met people who were spiritually interested and, and 
uh, introduced me to new ways of therapy and and esoteric stuff and mm. lots of nonsense again. And I, uh, that was another thing I wanted to sort out to so, to say what is true and what is not and what works and what does not and how does it all fit together. And this is another in, in important part of the book. One thing is 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 physics and science and and how does reality work. How does matter work? What is time? What is space? And the other thing is, what is the mind? What are emotions? What is consciousness? And how do they work together? Interesting, man. Well, um, you know, like uh, we've been talking about consciousness and reality for some time now online. And um, I know that your views are very interesting and um, and they correspond a lot to what I think as well. So um, I'm really interested in going into this book and, and learning more um, for readers or listeners. Um, uh, by, by the way, you yeah. didn't mention the, the title of the book. Oh yeah. Um, the making of reality, um, how consciousness creates the world. It, it's a, it's a very interesting book. Um, and so going into the book and like the, the first section, um, you talk about how, um, we create the, um, the world, um, that we're experiencing. I'm, I'm interested to understand, um, how, how you went about, learning about that idea and then how you go about um, kind of presenting the idea to the, the readers. Hmm. Could you specify that question? <laughs> well, um, so I know the tra translations may be a little hard. Um, how, how do you see humans perceiving the reality that they are experiencing um, through our senses, um, through neurology, and then um, how does that work inside the brain in order to create the, the reality experience that we have? Uh, the, the, the role of the brain is an important question that we have discussed several times on Tail Eaters. It's, it's, uh, um, from my point of view, um, and this is something that will be part of, of, uh, of another book I'm, I'm currently writing, from my point of view, consciousness is the only thing that we can be sure about. Mm. The only thing uh, that we just know it, it exists because uh, anything else could be an illusion, which which brings up the next question: What is an illusion anyway? So actually, what we perceive is of course reality, but uh, the deeper nature of that reality uh, actually remains uh, hidden from us. So. Uh, Actually, the only things we are sure about is consciousness on the one side and information that this consciousness is observing on the other side. Hmm. Oh, just need to shut down my phone here. No problem. Well, can you go more into about um, why why that's true? Like why consciousness is the only real thing that we, we know for a fact? Uh, so from, from our conventional point of view, all we perceive is information, at, at least in our daily lives, all we can perceive, what you can see and hear and taste is, is information that is processed by our senses and our brains. So actually, we don't see anything. We don't hear anything outside of us. Hmm. We only perceive information in our brain. This is the, per the first important thought. So um, all we see is actually inside of us. All we hear is actually inside of us. We cannot really know what is outside of us. We okay. cannot even really know that there is outside. You see, the the boundary between outside and inside is an is is an arbitrary definition mm. that we take. We say uh, most people identify with their bodies. You know, yes. Uh, they say uh, 
where my skin is is where where my body ends and that is where I end and the, the rest of the world begins. Mm. But it's just arbitrary. You've got an electric field around you. You've got probably a lot more around you that yet, yet that people can see in an out-of-body experience, for example. Uh, apparently, we do have lots of energy bodies, for example. Mm. And you you got even you got a, a cloud of chemical stuff around you. You got a gravitational field around you. You have so many things that extend. Some some of them extend into an infinite space. Uh, there is no boundary between us and the rest of the world. We just define one. Hmm. So, um, and actually, yeah, like uh, 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 what how what we construct out there is is our own representation of the information we perceive. It's actually uh, a model, a model of a world that we assume is out there. So the only thing that makes us believe that there is an outside world is that information comes in that surprises us. Mm. If we knew everything, that we would pro then we would probably perceive everything as ourselves. There would be no reason to assume an outside world. But we, if everything, anything comes in that surprises me, then I think, oh, that can't be me. <laughs> must like... be something else out there. And then I uh, construct a model in my mind uh, that tells me how this outside world this this apparent outside world works and then if you think one step further uh, all the information that we have about our body and our brain actually is just a model too everything we know about our brain is just uh, information too that we read in books or we perceive in in medical examinations etc etc it it just it's just a model just like anything else we perceive even our brain is uh, and it is our our attempt to explain the world, uh, a world that consists of matter and and such things as time and space. Everything is just our our humble uh, attempt to sort these things into a system that uh, that we can work with. Well, I mean, okay. So you bring information from the outside into your senses, and and that's kind of the experience that you're having um, of the outside experience that you're having internally, right? It's a, it's simulated inside the brain. Um, yes, yes. And there's one other aspect that I forgot to mention. Of course, uh, the other thing that makes us assume that there is an outside world is, is the consistency be between what we think about the world and what other people think about the world. Yes, interesting. So, actually, I cannot prove that you exist. You may be just a projection of myself, just like anything else. Uh, but I assume that you exist just like me, that we are, that we are equal in, in this respect and, and equivalent. So, uh, um, of course, what I perceive of you is to a great degree, my perception and, and my projection, but I assume that you as a consciousness exist outside of my individual con consciousness. Um, but this is the only thing I, uh, I'm quite sure about. So, but uh, if I assume that other people really exist and aren't just my own projections, then uh, what these other people tell me about the world makes me assume that there is some some world out there uh, that is consistent for all of us. The world that science describes to us, with its laws of nature and etc. It's a very re reliable world, a, a reliable reality that we can that we can we can calculate to a great degree. So this is the the second uh, aspect that makes us think there is an outside world, and it's 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 a valid point, of course. 
but the deeper nature of this outside reality uh, is still unknown. The only thing we know, if we assume that everyone exists, at least as a consciousness, an instance of consciousness, then there must be a joint source of information that reaches all of us. And mm. this is perceived as the outside world. So uh, this means there is a connection between us in the form of information that we all perceive or that we all jointly create. We cannot really say, uh, we cannot be sure whether we perceive something that is already there or we create something by projecting it outside. So in, in in case of a dream, for example, men, most people assume that we project it from our memories. Right. But in case of the outside world, we believe the opposite. We believe that it's there and it just is projected into us. But in in both cases, we cannot be sure that it's, it's, the, uh, it's the whole truth. So the outside world may, be, may have a lot of projection in it. Maybe it's completely projected. But in that case, it would probably be, it would probably be projected by all of us as a joint consciousness, a group consciousness. This is my model of consciousness is, is a fractal model. You know what a fractal is. Uh, it's, it's something like a tree that uh, starts with a trunk and uh, then splits into branches and splits into twigs and leaves. And, and we are sort of the leaves on the tree. Hmm. We believe that we are separate beings, but we are part of a, of, of a system of consciousness. And every one of us has an, has an individual consciousness and an individual reality. Everyone has fantasies and interpretations about the world that are very individual. But on the other hand, we have joint realities as a group, as a society, or as humanity as a whole. And I think these are just levels of consciousness, oh, different absolutely. layers of consciousness that are uh, more or less individualized, but all connected like, like the tree that I'm, I'm, I'm loving to use as a metaphor. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and as long as you think that you're a leaf and separate from everything else, it's a quite lonely life. But <laughs> when you start to, to get a glimpse of, of, of the entire connection between everything, which I believe exists uh, because people have experiences in, 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 a, in a state of enlightenment, for example, you suddenly just know that everything is connected. I did not perceive that. Uh, I did not experience that myself, but I know people <laughs> who did. And they are all agree on, on this one thing. It's everything is connected and our individual consciousness is not so individual as it feels. It's, it's just a glimpse of something much bigger that just creates the illusion of separation. I mean, it logically makes sense, you know, um, from what you told me that um, you would come to the conclusion that everything is kind of connected in a way as well. Yes, I, I actually wanted to make it uh, logical for, for, for a uh, rational p uh, person like me. Uh, there are so many people out there who, who want to, who want to expand their 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 mind and their consciousness into something bigger, but but their their rational mind is actually an obstacle because uh, it tells them it cannot be. It's uh, it, it's it's contradictory, but it's not. I, I try to eliminate all these apparent contradictions, and that's actually uh, the purpose of of the book I wrote. I wanted to build a bridge between between all these these points of view and all these experiences that people are having, and it's ongoing work. I'm I'm still working on that, and, and still many unsolved questions that we have partially been discussing on Tail Eaters. Uh, but uh, I, I think that book is a, is a great first step for for people like me who who are really skeptical and rationally minded, but but also open minded and uh, want to really want to know how it all fits together.
Yeah. Um, I want to expand on this, uh, the idea of the, this connectiveness that we have with, um, between all people. Um, I mean, I know you're familiar with like, um, the collective unconsciousness and, um, I'm wondering how that plays a role into, um, this connectivity that people have in, in, uh, in, in this reality and creating this reality. Is that similar to the same thing or is there, is it different? Uh, you mean the, the, the collective unconscious that's described by Jung? By Jung? Correct. Yes. 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 I, I actually don't know so much about his, his theories, but I'm, I'm very sure that it's actually, uh, actually fits very well into my model. Um, and into my into that fractal model there's another metaphor i like to use it's also in the book that it's it's the metaphor of islands in the sea if you have a group of islands in the ocean they all seem separate because you have the water level that that uh, hides mm -hmm. the rest and the rest is actually a mountain range below the sea which is entirely connected but just the, the peaks of the mountain are are uh, protruding from the sea and and they appear like separate islands and I think that uh, we all have this connection uh, underwater. <laughs> so the question is only where you place the water level. Yeah, I, I think that uh, some things like enlightenment or, or deep connections, even the deep emotional connections between people that sometimes occur, uh, are actually uh, just a change of the water level. If, if you if you lower the water level, more of the connection becomes visible, becomes uh, apparent, and um, I think that uh, the collective subconscious or or the, the the group consciousness of a group of people or even all people together or all beings in the universe which are uh, a lot more than than humans or I think I think everything is basically consciousness everything that exists not just uh, people and animals actually everything it's just a, to a different degree of individualization I mean humans are, are the most individualized uh, beings that we know of all animals live in, in, in collectives, they live in groups and, and uh, uh, according to, to authors like Michael Rhodes, for example, they, they are very much connected to their group consciousness. Uh, he has, has had very interesting uh, out-of-body experiences where he connected to the collective souls of, of certain animal species. Mm. And uh, he found that, that when an animal dies, for example, it's it's not such a big thing as when a human uh, human being dies. Uh, they just they just know they return to to their collective soul and 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 then they become an individual again. And it, it's it's just it's just a natural thing for them. So it's not a bad thing to die. People are somewhat different. They they uh, are much more individualized and and have, they forgot completely about this deeper connection with everything. And they they forgot about uh, the principle of reincarnation, which is part of the game. For example, uh, I, I assume that it's part of the game <laughs> because if you forget that you can be reborn, you have a greater fear of death, of course. And this makes many things in this life apparently much more important which they aren't actually, because it doesn't matter. You can die as often as you want. You can live as often as you want. But if you believe uh, that it's important to survive, important to achieve certain things in life, and so uh, you become very creative and uh, also you create a lot of problems, a lot of self-made lessons you can learn uh, in order to be a more loving, uh, more, a more 
profound person hmm. i would say i think that is i think that it's a concept that we maybe created ourselves along before we were, we were born as born as humans uh, i think that it's it, it's it's a sort of a game that we created to learn something and uh, to uh, to create a new kind of being hmm. uh, and all this drama that we experience as humans is, is somehow part of this game. It's a cruel game sometimes, but very effective because uh, it forces you in a way it forces you to, uh, to be creative, to create things that would never be created if, if you already knew everything. You know, no one would, would, would fly to the moon if you knew, if they knew that in an out of body experience, uh, you can easily fly to the moon without a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's great. It's a great experience to build a rocket and fly to the moon. It, it's just a game. Eh? I, I see it that way at least. Uh, and it's it's a huge uh, for for a human being. It's it's a huge achievement. And I, I feel it, I find it great. Even now that I know it's actually completely unnecessary i find it's a great achievement a great adventure and something like that can only be created in an illusion like uh, our our separated lives but on the other hand for the evolution of uh, for the evolution of mankind it's it's very important to 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 find back to our roots to to find the way back to to the bigger consciousness that we are all a part of uh, and I think we are just about now in in this phase of transition to to return with all the crazy stuff we created over centuries, and uh, to to uh, to forget about the bad stuff and to to take all the good stuff with us and and all the stories and all the adventures we had as as a, as mankind as a whole. And I think it's it's just a very great wave of evolution that we are currently experiencing. Interesting, man. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people I've uh, talked to recently have been discussing the same thing as you um, towards this uh, this change in maybe uh, humanity and the evolution of humanity and the awareness. Um, I'm interested in understanding um, consciousness as as itself. Like, how how do you know that consciousness isn't another uh, illusion? Like uh, that, you kind of describe reality as being. Um, it's first. It's just an assumption. Of course, uh, I, I cannot exclude the the probability that that uh, it's just like science tells us that consciousness is just a construct of the brain, just a, a, a product of the brain. But um, the fact that people, especially meditating people uh, or people in an enlightened state, uh, can perceive pure consciousness without any information in it, just consciousness, just being without uh, identifications. Hmm. Uh, and you, you think about nothing, you perceive nothing, uh, at least no, nothing central, nothing, no images, no sound. Uh, but still there is something Something remains, something very fundamental, something which is bare of any uh, structure, but it still exists. And this is such a fundamental experience, according to all people I have read and heard about, uh, that it makes me assume that this must be the foundation of everything, mm -hmm. everything, because it, it make, just makes so much sense that uh, creation goes from the unstructured source to the uh, oh, the roots of the tree let me uh, the trunk of the tree uh, a very simple structure 
and uh, the and it's it's starting to split up into more and more differentiated uh, realities it just makes so much sense that it's extremely convincing for me i cannot prove it no one can prove it but uh, <laughs> the overall picture of everything i i i, I wondered about and i read about and heard about it, 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 this this model so far makes the most sense for me I cannot say anything more about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, man. Um, well, it's great that, uh, I mean, those are great points as well. Um, you know, a consciousness exists, so therefore it's kind of, um, you know, it, it's, it's the one truth that is the truth that you have consciousness, you have awareness. So, um, it's a great point, man. Um, and how, how do you perceive this, this thing we call consciousness being created? How did it, start where did it start from uh, actually <laughs> i could say i haven't been there but i think <laughs> i have been there <laughs> but not as myself because i am a creation um, much further down the road <laughs> i as an individual um, but from a logical point of view it can only be created out of itself because uh, well what we are talking about is something that in my opinion, cannot be described really in words and in logic because words and logic and uh, and language are all based on the notion of separate things, separate objects, and a linear time. And, and nothing of that uh, can be taken for granted. Uh, many, many spiritually experienced people say that time is not linear, uh, for example. So there, there actually isn't a certain point in the past where consciousness started to split up. Actually, you could say it's all happening right now or it's not happening at all. It's just a static thing, which, which is just differentiated. In my book, I, I describe time as, as a dimension, just like the three dimensions of space which by the way is is quite close to what what uh, physics tells us um, the four dimensional space time of, of einstein's relativity theory um if you if you consider that time as an as a as a dimension then everything exists at the same time uh, well you you see the, you see the problem mm -hmm. <laughs> at the, I, I cannot say at the same time because it's it, it, it's a mental trap because uh, if you if you put the big bang at one end of the story and uh, and and the end of the universe at the other end well 10 meters right of it then you you get one big big object that represent represents the entire history of the universe and you could assume that it all exists simultaneously and uh, our notion of time just is, is just the effect of our consciousness wandering along this great object and uh, perceiving it slice by slice interesting yeah i i, I know in your book you um very rarely or very well describe time and how um your view of time is but um for the listeners how i mean can you give us a quick rundown of your perception of time in this fourth dimension and um how it operates uh well fr from from a physical point of view um uh, it's it's not that easy uh, time is not a separate dimension uh, actually time and space according to relativity theory are deeply intertwined actually there's just one four dimensional continuum that's uh 
that's perceived as space and time by ourselves at the same time. And depending on your speed, by the way, uh, if you're close to the speed of light, your, your time and space axis of your personal coordinate system are completely different from those of, of someone who, who has zero, zero velocity relative to some point. Um, so space and time are, are not absolute things, which uh, e even from a conventional physical point of view, they are not really uh, fixed. Mm. They are just uh, our way to, uh, to describe our own experience of, uh, of events that take place in this huge four-dimensional space-time continuum. And even the even the order of events is not fixed. Yeah, an, an event somewhere in the uni universe can perceive can be perceived by one person, and in one point, if you have two e events in in four dimensional space time, then some people uh, or some beings on some planets would maybe perceive uh, one of these events as the first one, and the other one as the second one, and on some other planet with some other velocity, it could be the other way around. So. Uh, there's not even a, a strict differentiation between past and present and future. It's mm. all a big continuum. And that's just physics. That's not, not spirituality. That's not esoterics. It's just physics. And, but it's consistent with uh, spiritual experience. So actually, if we uh, imagine a, a multidimensional space, which exists, uh, which consists of these uh, four dimensions of, of physics, of space-time, and additional dimensions that represent different um, possibilities how the universe could evolve, then we have a huge possibility space that uh, represents everything that could ever exist. And if we, if we now imagine consciousness as a pure observer, a point of observation, just like a camera in a, in a warehouse, for example, yeah. a surveillance camera, uh, but it's, it's, it's movable. So, and then you move this camera, which is just an observer, a, a passive point of observation. You move it through this huge space of possibilities. Uh, then this movement would create some sort of history, some sort of story. And, mm, okay. and that would be the origin of time. The way you sort events uh, to create an, an, an evolving story would actually be the origin of time. So it, it's some sort of movement of consciousness. It's, yeah, we are dealing with the, the absolute borders of uh, the limits of language here and, and the limits of our logical mind. So it's really, really hard to explain this. And of course, I'm not sure whether I'm right. In, in exploring consciousness and trying to understand the elements that go into consciousness, I'm really interested in understanding um, the different aspects of consciousness as well, such as like the unconscious and the subconscious. Uh, actually, I would say that Again, these are not fixed terms. Uh, first of all, subconscious or unconscious doesn't make such a uh, big difference for me. Uh, there are things that are present in my consciousness right now, in my individual consciousness, and things that are not. But things that apparently exist anyway, because at least other people tell me they exist, and I have ways to uh, approach them somehow. Um, I think for me... Uh, what I what I just described as possibility space is is actually a, a huge information matrix. Hmm. It's it's a it's a it's a space full of information, and um, what we perceive as our 
individual consciousness or the contents of our individual consciousness is a sort of a perception bubble within this information space. You imagine a bubble in this space which is filled with light and every information that is inside the bubble can be perceived consciously. And everything that's outside the bubble is is what we call the unconscious. And if we now imagine that other people are in the same huge information matrix, uh, their bubbles intersect with ours partially, uh, but they also have their separate parts. And there are parts that are unconscious to all of us. And then when we remember, if we remember the, the fractal model of consciousness that I was talking about with the, the islands in the ocean and the dropping water level, then uh, this would mean that we can expand these bubbles. Yeah, you, you can, you can produce some, uh, you, you can create protrusions that, that, uh, or probes of, uh, of your personal consciousness bubble. Uh, you, you can send out a, a tiny sub bubble uh, that goes somewhere and re retrieves some information and comes back to you. Uh, that would be something like, like remote viewing, for example, or precognition or anything like that. If, if you are, able to move parts of your consciousness through this huge information matrix, which is, uh, which is identical with the possibility space and space time, then you, you could get a glimpse of, of the future or at least one future, one possible future or the past or information that is actually outside your senses, for example. In that case, you would, in that moment, you would expand your consciousness or you could your, expand your consciousness uh, as a whole. For example, in an enlightened state, when you suddenly perceive everything as connected to you, then you would you would soften the the borders of your bubble. Hmm. Uh, it's it's a very flexible thing, actually. Actually, and actually, I think that everything is consciousness, but uh, the part of it that we perceive as ourselves, as the individual, is is such a flexible bubble that can be. Uh, changed in size and changed in in, in shape uh, relative to this information matrix. It's it's just a model, of course, but I, I think I, I think the point is clear. Um, yeah, anything that we are di discussing on tail eaters is is, is actually var variants of uh, uh, such expansions of consciousness, and there is no fixed border between conscious and unconscious, for example. Even uh, the classical unconscious things, in, in, in just like your deep-rooted emotional patterns that that, that gives that give us so much trouble in our lives, that you normally uh, treat with uh, psychotherapy and something like that, uh, you can perceive it directly in an out-of-body experience or in a dream, for example. You you can you can suddenly in 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 some some sorts of dreams you can see representations of your fears, for example, and in that case they suddenly are completely conscious. So uh, your subconscious is not so subconscious if you know how to access it. You, you can really perceive it in, in a sensual manner, uh, even though it's just your own personal projections and your and and the shape you give it, of course, is your is yours alone. You know, that monster you are seeing does not exist outside your fantasy, but it's not just a fantasy, but it's a representation of something that you have carried with you all, all your life. Some 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 deep rooted fears, for example, and you can deal with it. You can you can face that monster or start to love it or first you probably would start to fight it and and you would find that it doesn't work so uh, try to love it yeah and most most of the, most people uh, have get a big surprise when they start to 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 deal with these uh, fears in a in a loving way so uh, this uh, there are lots of possibilities to expand and and our consciousness and make use of these experiences to make a better life
York, from your perspective, how do you see words um, like love, hate, good, bad, um, being involved in this experience of consciousness? Uh, I, I, like everything, I see this as a multi-layer construct. So um, actually, on, on the la layer of, the, of our normal logical mind, it's just words. It's just a shell. A word is just a shell. It, it's our it's our attempt to uh, put something that we experience it into a into a box, a box that is labeled with a word, so we can talk about it and think about it and this discuss it with others. It uh, that's that's an approach that makes sense to some degree, but we should be aware what we are doing. The world does not ex uh, consist of objects; it consists of uh, a continuum of, of experience, mm -hmm. of possibilities. So if we use words to describe something, we always reduce it. Uh, it it's, it's not without reason that I'm addressing this issue in, at the first chapter, in the first chapter of my book, because it's so important to know everything we discuss and everything we think about is models in our brains, uh, which are using words and logical terms to, uh, to sort the world into boxes. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's just an auxiliary auxiliary means uh, it's just a horrible word auxiliary <laughs> <laughs> so you're French you're meaning that it's English. like uh, what you're saying is like the um the words that we're using are actually like died down versions of kind of like what um is really happening it's a it's a way it's a symbol to represent um something that's yes, yes, much yes. deeper and, and the no and and notions like uh, love is better than hate they are they are true on one level, of course. Uh, what what is what actually is the uh, the standard by by which you measure good and bad? Actually, there is only one standard uh, that is common to all people that we can measure it by. It's it's does it create pain? Then it's bad. Does it not create pain? Then it's good. Actually, this is the only the only standard that we can measure it by. Measure it by uh, outside uh, if if we try to drop uh, any. Uh, What's it called in English? Uh, any philosophy, any uh, yeah. um, different uh, cultures, and uh, all these all these cultural differences about what is good and bad, or what is right and wrong. If you drop all those, every, any, uh, the only thing that remains is 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 our biology, hmm. is uh, what we are, have all in all have in common, and and it, it tells us some things are painful and some things are not and that's just uh, mostly a product of our uh, of our survival system our physical survival system which tells us that some things are bad for survival and some things are good this is what good and bad are based on they are not fundamental truths in my opinion not, nothing that is uh, defined by some god or something else it's it's just a matter of uh, of living in a physical world and trying to survive there and trying to have a have a good life down here hmm. um so but on a higher level on a higher uh, on the level that i did described before what what is this game all about it's about creating new experiences uh, creating a new a new wave of evolution then uh, you could say that hate is not that bad because it allows us to ex make certain experiences that in in turn are good again the, the greatest stories of mankind have to do with suffering and and overcoming of suffering mm -hmm. uh, of suffering uh to some degree it seems to be necessary at least at this stage of evolution so uh, nothing is is 
is bad by itself, but it's, it's, it's necessary for certain experiences. And of course, we are all trying to reduce the amount of suffering, and that's a good thing, I think. But uh, I think without the experience of suffering that we have had for, for, for millennia, uh, we wouldn't be what we are and we we wouldn't be such complex and differentiated beings so it's it's all relative uh, i think all terms on on all these layers of consciousness uh, they have different meanings they have different significance and you cannot judge anything uh, and if you try to judge anything just keep in mind there are dozens of other layers where it could be different Actually, that's that was one one big uh, one big thing that uh, that made me write this book at all. Um, so back then, when I started to write the book, I, I was one of those people who were a lot into this uh, law of attraction thing, mm. um, which I still find is true to some degree, and uh, the degree to which it is true, I am trying to describe in the book. Uh, of course, it's not so easy. Uh, if, if you look, if you read a book like The Secret or something, then it all sounds very easy. You can have everything you, anything you want. Just, just uh, you just need to wish for it in the right way. And actually, that's true. But uh, there are two big questions: what is the right way? And the second question is: why do you want it at all? <laughs> so, um, so. In practical in practical life, it's not that easy, and um, and that was one big mission for for writing this book to explain to people why it's not that easy. Actually, we do create our own reality in my worldview. Of course, we are all embedded in a collective reality. Uh, no one of us can can change the the laws of nature for everybody. Uh, maybe some people are are able to change them for themselves. Maybe Jesus, when if Jesus was able to walk on the water, of course, maybe he was. It's possible. There are other people in history who were said to, to overcome gravity. Uh, it's possible, maybe, but not, but not for everybody. You, you cannot change it for everybody. You can change a lot of things for yourself. So we, we still have this common frame of reality. But the part of reality that is really truly yours, it's not just your, your interpretations of reality, which is the most important thing, but, but also your surroundings, mm. the, the people you are with, the place where you live, maybe even the parents that you choose before you, you, you are born, maybe. Um, that's your personal reality or the part of reality that is yours. And this is the one that you can change uh, to some degree at least. And uh, I'm trying to explain how this works and why it doesn't work for many people who just try to use principles like the law of attraction. Because, uh, as I said, I think the law of attraction actually works, but... Uh, what you act, uh, what you attract um, depends a lot of your on your subconscious mind. Mm. So, if you want to attract a really positive reality towards yourself, uh, you either need to be a very positive person in the first place, <laughs> or you, you need to take care of those negative patterns that are buried deep inside yourself. And most people can't do that. Uh, from now to then, but you 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 need to you really need to work on it, and this is the point. So uh, there are so many deep rooted fears which are actually unnecessary, but uh, they are a product of our survival system, which is a bit out of place today. We have such a safe society. Many of these uh, 
patterns of behavior that uh, are implanted in our brains for, for millions of years uh, are no longer useful today. And there are lots of misunderstandings in our brains and they are producing most of the problems that we experience. We actually don't have many problems. Not we, we don't have many real problems. Most problems are our own constructions uh, and uh, projections. So um, this is something I'm, I'm addressing in the book, uh, how our instincts work and how they are fooling us into uh, feeling that something is dangerous. No, almost nothing that we ever experience is dangerous for most people, at least, that live in, in, in Germany or in the U.S. or anything in any civilized country. Of course, you can be shot. Or of course, you, you can die by, uh, by cancer or something. But most of the stuff that we experience doesn't threaten us at all. Uh, we just think that it does. Right. And, but, but when we get into fear, uh, we are actually in, in a, in a mode that, that was born for, uh, that was created for fight and flight uh, by nature. But, uh, it's no use for us. So I'm trying to, uh, to explain how we can overcome these patterns of behavior, these patterns of emotion. Uh, and that would be a good basis to then uh, apply the law of attraction. In fact, you don't need to even apply it consciously anymore because it will just work. Hmm, interesting. You, you, you attract what your consciousness is focused on, but what your consciousness is focused on depends on these patterns. And so you need to clean up there. So you, if you think about money and, uh, and about being rich, you think about what you could have done when you were younger. So, it's a feeling of regret. It's a feeling of failure. And what do you get when your your consciousness is focused on failure? Of course, you get failure, <laughs> or at least something that feels like failure. So you uh, actually this 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 law of attraction. Uh, actually, what it does is just uh, confirming what we already believe. So if you unconsciously believe that you're a complete loser because you're not a millionaire, then uh, thinking about money will always trigger that pattern that says you're a complete loser. And then this will never allow you to become a millionaire. <laughs> so it's like self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Yeah. Our entire reality is a self-fulfilling prophecy, I would say. <laughs> Interesting, man. That's a good approach. Um, and I, I'm jiving with it. Um, you've brought up a, quite a few times your, um, your focus on out-of-body experiences and, and dreams, how do those play a part in your, um, your research and um, your ultimate view of consciousness and reality? Uh, well, they are not so much covered in, in my first book. Um, I've, I've started to, to, to really dive into this later, but, um, but actually they, they substantiate my worldview because, uh, in my opinion, there is enough evidence that shows me that the realities that people observe during an, an out-of-body experience, at least uh, some of these realities uh, are collective in, in a way that they are not just individual projections, but they are, uh, at least they seem to be inhabited by groups of people, especially, especially those worlds that are uh, considered the afterlife. Uh, are often described as, as, as very nice places that are modeled a bit like, like the, the most beautiful places of, of, on earth. And they are inhabited by people that share the same, the same worldview. Um, several people who have explored the afterlife in, uh, in out of body experiences confirm that there are 
actually uh, different regions in the afterlife for different uh, belief communities, uh, different religious communities, for example. So it seems like a group of people or a gr group of individual consciousnesses, uh, shouldn't have a plural, that word, <laughs> uh, can create a joint reality. And I think that's just what we did in the physical world, except that the, the, the collective consciousness that created the physical, physical world is a lot bigger uh, than the one that, for example, creates the, the, the heaven of uh, that Christians may experience after they die, for example. Hmm. I even think that there are a lot, lots of variants of Christian heaven and, and for other religions too, and, and for non-religious non people, <laughs> for example. But the fact that these realities are so consistent and they can, for example, they can be visited again and again by the same explorer. Uh, and also the fact that out-of-body explorers can visit places in the physical world or at least the, the, the non-physical copy of the physical world, which, uh, which is usually, usually the first layer that is experienced by out-of-body travelers when they, they hover above the bed and go out the window. Um, it seems to be consistent in, in a way that they can observe things that happen somewhere else, which they couldn't have uh, known if they hadn't actually been there. So this makes me believe that uh, out-of-body experiences are real in an objective uh, way to such a degree that uh, they are almost as real or maybe real in the same way as the physical world, uh, even though there are, of course, a lot of uh, subjective projections on the, in those layers too, but uh, that make it, sometimes makes it difficult, especially in a, when you transition from a dream into an OBE or back. Can it make can be very confusing according to what I have heard? But there is enough evidence for me that uh, there is a common fund, a common foundation which exists like a collective layer of reality that exists outside the physical, and this confirms. Uh, together with the fact that these non-physical realities are very sensitive to thought. Hmm. Uh, so the law of attraction uh, works a lot faster there, a lot more direct. Uh, according to William Juhlman, for example, uh, I, uh, uh, I'm his uh, German translator, by hmm. the way. Yeah. Um, there are several, uh, many, many layers of reality and the closer you get to the source of everything, the, 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 the unstructured uh, global consciousness that contains everything, uh, the less structured the reality you experience becomes. So, um, and the less structured it is, and the more, the closer you get to the source, the more thought responsive the reality becomes. So, uh, if you, if you are in one of those higher levels where everything is, is really flexible and moving and everything is flowing energy, you can, with a single thought, you can create great stuff, hmm. for example. But on the lower levels, like our physical world, it takes a lot longer. These, these layers are much more stabilized which may have re a reason. Uh, William Buhlman thinks it's it's because we are on a training ground here. Well, if everything I think would be created immediately, I could create complete chaos. So yeah. So this lower level, uh, this basement of reality where we are living is, is uh, maybe some sort of proving ground where you can start to create something without disrupting everything. Interesting. Uh, and the higher you, you go and 
you can do that during an OBE, at least to some degree. Uh, this this experience becomes more apparent, and and the fact that our consciousness is created becomes more apparent. And uh, if you put that all together, then it's uh, it's that fractal uh, model again that I was talking about. Yeah. When I, when we apply the um, this the idea that kind of um, everything is happening simultaneously, how does the um, afterlife apply to that? Because afterlife would be, um, you know, like me being dead in a, is already taking place, you know, on, on some level. So the afterlife that I would eventually go to would also be happening right now. This is one of the hardest questions of all, and I'm not done with it. <laughs> I can't give you anything definite from my point of view, but uh, from my understanding so far, the non-reality, uh, non-linearity, or the linearity, the apparent linearity of time is, is something that is equally relative, like like the thought sensitivity of of reality. Uh, the lower you are, uh, the more linear time appears to be. And according to to William Buhlmann, for example, um, a reincarnation is something that uh, just takes place between uh, the the lowermost layers of reality. So. Uh, the lower astral levels uh, where where most of, of the afterlife environments are, are located, or maybe all of them, uh, are still very, very structured environments. And from there, people return to, to the physical uh, countless times, usually. And uh, it's, it's a loop. They are in a constant loop. And I think that linear time is perceived on on both of these layers. So, uh, so this uh, creates the appearance of afterlife in in a temporal sense. So, um, actually, uh, the soul, the individual soul, can undergo some sort of evolution by by creating this this uh, apparent linearity of of evolution of itself. So. But I think the the higher the level that you visit, the more linear, the more this linearity of time appears, or this illusion of linearity disappears. Um, must be something like that. So, um, actually, I think some very high aspect of yourself, uh, your higher self. Uh, I think the the term higher self is is a simplification. I think we have many layers of higher self. Uh, which some people may even perceive as God or something like that, um, uh, depending on, on their belief. But I think uh, some very high aspect of yourself would maybe indeed perceive all these lives and all these afterlives simultaneously, mm. uh, where the word simultaneously is actually wrong because it implies time. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> this is the point. So it's, it's, it's really, really hard to talk about it and to think about it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, as I said, I'm not done with it, but I think, but I think it's a, it's a really complex thing that is multidimensional. Uh, there are some interesting stories, for example, by Michael Rhodes in his, in his really recommendable books, um, where he visits himself in earlier in the same life. He, he takes a, a non-physical visit to his own past and assists his own former uh, self uh, in its evolution. So that's wicked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, did you see that Harry Potter film where Harry travels back yeah. in time and yeah, definitely. Yeah. Helps himself and out. believes that it, uh, he first believes it was his father, but uh, actually it turns out it was himself <laughs> who helped himself. Um, 
I think this this linearity, even on our physical level of of reality, this linearity is not so uh, defined as it seems. I think there are there are many interconnections between our past and future. Um, but for me, the future is not fixed. There are you you always have a choice. There are always different variants of the future, and and you can actually decide which one becomes your manifest future. But uh, if you think about everything happening simultaneously, then you must surely include different variants of reality that could happen. Uh, so there's that possibility space I was talking about. Because if everything was fixed from, from the past to the future, then we wouldn't have any choice at all. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of your ideas kind of uh, break my brain, to be honest with you. Like, uh... um, my, mine too. Mine too. <laughs> not, only, not, not only when I wrote the book, but even, even now, uh, this, this last question was the hardest one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that I'm, I'm really interested in, and um, you kind of answered is this fractal idea, um, repeating patterns throughout um, uh, human existence, as well as like... Um, um, patterns in, in reality, such as like, um, the, the known, um, the, the known view of what, as far as we can see of what, um, uh, the universe looks like, it's this repeating pattern. Um, it looks very similar to, uh, mycelium, um, or human neurons, um, things like that. And, and what I'm getting to is that, um, the human brain has this very distinct, uh, pattern to it. It has, you know, left to right hemispheres, um, and a center brainstem. Do you perceive, um, the human brain being a representation of consciousness in any way, or is that something that you haven't really, uh, paid attention to? Uh, yes, uh, it's, it's another unsolved question, the exact role of the brain in, in the entire story. But uh, as far as I I believe the the brain is 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 mostly what what we what we perceive it is it's it's a physical structure that was mostly created for securing our survival as a physical species. So um, I don't believe that the brain creates consciousness. I believe that consciousness created the brain, and uh, mm. in this case, a, a much bigger consciousness than than our individual consciousness. Uh, so the one that conceived the entire physical world on uh, probably also shaped the idea of, of the brain just like anything else in biology. Uh, in fact, so primarily for me, it's a survival tool, but uh, secondarily, it's, it's also uh, the tool that shapes the way that we create conscious, uh, that we create reality with our consciousness because our consciousness is very closely linked to our brain. Maybe because our brain is the, the, the instance that, that perceives, uh, that, uh, that processes our senses. But also, I, I also believe that the brain is some sort of interface mm. uh, between, between the body and our higher aspects. That, that's just theory for now, but uh, to me, it makes the most sense. It may be even some kind of antenna. Uh, as far as I can see, the things like thinking and perceiving are not limited to the brain. People who had their brain completely shut down still had near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences, and they were able to think and able to feel. But I think that the way how they feel and think is very much shaped by the brain because uh, that's that's part of the game. 
when we incarnate, we are very closely linked to our brains and it's, it's, it's the center of everything uh, that is linked between our consciousness and the outside world or what we perceive as the outside world. It plays a, it plays a huge role in shaping our reality. So um, it's, it's some, sort of, some sort of filter, some sort of uh, blueprint that we use to uh, create the way of reality that we as humans perceive. Maybe, uh, maybe a, a different animal would, would perceive the, um, the world in a completely different way. Or, or a being without a brain would probably perceive it in just another way. Fascinating uh, conversation, man, with uh, consciousness today. Um, what are some ways that people can get a hold of you, uh, your work? like your book, um, The Making of Reality, um, and also get a hold of you if they want to discuss more. Uh, okay, so so the main problem is that this is my only book that is available in English. <laughs> so, so uh, of course, uh, the best way to... Uh, the English book is available on, on, on Amazon.com and, and Amazon.co.uk. Uh, um, you can also get a Kindle version or the ebook version. Um, but uh, the book is shipped from Germany. So far, I did not find a U.S. publisher, unfortunately, uh, or a U.K. publisher. So I, I would really love to. So if some publisher is in the audience, please, please contact me <laughs> if you're interested. So that, that would be so great for me. The, the, German, the German edition of the book sold uh, almost, well, 50,000 copies. Oh, wow, copies that's so great. Far. And this is not so bad for a book that's actually self-published. So um, Definitely. Uh, well, the the English edition is not going so well because uh, marketing an English book from Germany uh, uh, turned out to be very hard. Yeah, it's challenging, I'd imagine. Uh, so, so I would love to to have an US publisher, but but so far the the book can be ordered on on starkwood.com. Okay, uh, could you could you put that in the text of, of the podcast? So, um, you can order the hard copy or you can get the ebook from from Amazon.com. And uh, of course, I'm on Facebook. Uh, uh, you can you can contact me in English at any time. So even though most of my Facebook stuff is, is in German, it's no problem. Uh, I'm also on on Tail Eaters, of course, on the, the great uh, uh, Facebook group of probably. Um, so uh, there are many ways to contact me, and and I w would be happy to to get a greater audience outside Germany. So that that would be really great. Appreciate it, man. Um, and thanks for the shout out for the group. Well, it's been great to talk to you, York, today. And um, I've learned a lot about consciousness from your book and also our conversation today. It's been uh, very enlightening. So I appreciate you taking the time to spread this message out to uh, uh, our listeners. And uh, hopefully some people will go out and uh, purchase your book and learn more uh, very detailed information in the book. I hope so. It was my pleasure. This has been another episode of Cosmic Echo. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about York and his work, you can visit our website at tailleaders.com backslash cepodcast. Additionally, you can support this podcast by clicking on our donation page located at the same website. We look forward to bringing you additional episodes in the near future, but until then, happy dreaming.